Welcome in. This is episode number 15 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan. Very excited for this podcast. I have two Toronto-based comedians that I interviewed this week. Very cool and fun interviews. Uh, Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you a little bit. I heard a little bit of a rumor. I heard through the grapevine a little bit of a sneak peek that huge news is coming for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame in September. I heard the news. You definitely don't want to miss it. You want to stay tuned to this show. You want to stay tuned to our social medias, our TikTok, our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram because this news is going to be massive for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame and for comedy in Canada. Okay, let's get to it. Like I mentioned, two huge interviews. The second interview coming up in just a bit is David Rubin. Now, David is a Toronto-based comedian who runs the website, thecomedygreenroom.com. So we'll speak to David in just a bit. But first off, I have Hisham Kaladi. Now, I met Hisham at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal a couple weeks ago. Had an awesome time hanging out with Hisham. We had a great time. Four days of fun at Just for Laughs. Hisham's great, and he's done a lot in Canadian comedy uh, in his in a short time at his young age. Uh, Hisham has done some. Uh, he's written on on Tall Boys, which we spoke about. Hisham is a stand-up who's who's headlined all across the country. He just finished up doing shows in Calgary, and and, and he did uh, some amazing shows. Uh, he was part of the Hannah Gatsby Gala at Just for Laughs. Hisham, awesome, great guy, so much fun talking to him about comedy, his influences, his mom, and of course he's a Juno nominee as well. He was nominated this year for Comedy Album of the Year for his album Tigra King. He has a podcast called the Bites and Bits podcast that he does with a comedian friend of his. Uh, Lauren Ash was on the last episode, which is very, very cool. We talk about all this and lots more. I hope you enjoy it. The very funny, the hilarious, the talented Hisham Kaladi. From uh, Ottawa originally, right? Is that where the comedy kind of bug started for you? Um, I guess you could say that. Like, uh, when we first came to Canada, I'm, I'm originally from an East African country called Eritrea. When we first came to Canada, uh, my uncle and aunt had already um, refugeed to Canada at that point. And in an attempt to kind of like get us into the culture, <laughs> uh, the first three things I had ever watched. Um, two of them were comedy related. One was an episode of Mr. Bean, which like broke my five-year-old brain because like Mr. Bean is, uh, it transcends culture. Like he doesn't say anything. It's just all physical comedy. Like it doesn't matter if you're from like Bangladesh or like Bosnia or or, or Bolivia. Like it, it, like you watch it, you understand. And then it was also <laughs> Uncle Buck, uh, John Candy. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, watching that movie again, too young to understand what was happening, but just, just based on the vibe, like it's always been like an imprint on me, just comedy. Uh, and I'm the black sheep of my family. Everyone in my family is very like conservative, very like stoic, very reserved people. Um, and then I'm just the goofy idiot in the corner, uh, at like 12 years old, trying to explain to my mom the concept of third rock from the sun, like it's like the word of God. Um, and so um, when I went to when I eventually went to Ottawa. Um, it, I had access to comedy that like you could perform at, and <laughs> the very first time I performed stand up was in 2007 at okay. Ottawa Yuck Yucks Amateur Night. I had spent 
months trying to get on. I'm in like second or third year university. And I, I think I'm the shit. And I have not bombed harder in my life to dead silent cricket. You can hear someone slurping a beer. I don't even remember what jokes it was, but it was so demoralizing. I didn't touch a microphone or even do anything comedy related until like 2016. Like I was so oh, wow. scarred. I would just watch comedy. I would really love it. But the idea of performing never never crossed my mind until I moved to Toronto and then I haven't stopped since. That's amazing. You don't remember any of those jokes from the from the first night? So uh, one of my childhood friends, uh, Valeriu Ayunida, the, uh, the Lion of Romania, shout out to Val, uh, he recorded, and you have to understand, this is like 2007, so he like yeah. brought, a, there's no cell phones, there's nothing, he brought a video camera, and I think maybe a year ago in lockdown, we reconnected, and he he we transferred me a video and he's like i found this on an old camera uh I, my mom found in like her you know, childhood basement and he's like just, just watch it just watch it and there's i don't know what it is but it it cut to like it's when, when again it's like windows media player was really uh really poorly done but it's me walking on stage to do that set and i immediately deleted that video because i'm like oh you never even watched it i don't want any proof i don't want this to be seen by anyone accidentally leaked on youtube never never no 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 god no oh my god i wonder just like as a thought experiment if you took that set those jokes you had and performed them now (laughs) with the confidence (laughs) and experience you have now would it would it fly? Would it do well? Uh, uh, that would be. Well, I, I, I'm telling you, no. Dave Chappelle, <laughs> Chris Rock, and uh, 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 like John Mulaney locked in a room for a hundred years could not punch up how right. bad a set. I th- what was he? He was trying to because t- I told him I deleted it and he laughed. Uh, my buddy Valley. I think he was trying to explain to me like I I did a joke about um, working at Chapters. And it was a new job. And I was like, like on my first day, someone came in and was like, oh, I saw this book on the Oprah book club. You know, but back in the day when she was still on, she used to the book club thing. And I was like, okay, like, uh, uh, you know, the author's name? It's like, no. Uh, do, you, do you know the, uh, like the, the title of the book? Like, I'm try- no, it's like, okay, do you know like the subject matter? And the guy's like, no. I'm like, what do you remember about the book? And he's like, it was blue. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, do you remember anything more specific? And this is how I know both the joke sucked and I sucked as a comedian. Someone from the audience yelled out the punchline, uh, which was light blue. Because that's just a corny little hack bit. I'm like 22, don't know anything about jokes. Been watching Comedy Central roasts with Lisa Lampanelli and Greg uh, uh, Raldo. And like, it was, and like people laughed because I, I froze because I didn't know what to do because I'm like, that was the punchline. And I think everyone knew that. I, and it was just, I froze for like four and a half minutes. Noonan, <laughs> I, was sta- I just silenced and I got the light. I'm like, okay, I can leave now because that's what they told me before. And it's like, so we see the light, you can get off. I was like, okay, I guess I just stay on stage until I have to leave. Like, I didn't know. It was the most humbling experience. And, you know, you've bombed since. I've bummed many times since, like, you know, it's, it's part of the process. You mm-hmm. try some new jokes. They're just thoughts in your head that should have just been tweets. But you try to do the jokes and, you know, like, you get a little harder, you get thicker skin, you understand the process. But, like, fresh off of just watching a bunch of Comedy Central 
like Louis Black was like my quintessential uh, um, uh, comedian to be because like he was his like specials was always on the comedy network just constantly cycling through so all I knew was to be to yell and scream and be angry at the audience because I'm like that's what comedians do yeah uh, and I yelled that joke and they were quiet and it was humbling like I can't think of a harder word like I went back to school I got a master's you notice you ever like do so bad at comedy you up your education. <laughs> you get, you're like, what am I doing? I found that, <laughs> I found that just going to just for laughs. That's what, that's where we met, by the way, um, a few weeks ago and sitting the side Shout of the stage. To, uh, noon in the winter of the CBC stand-up event. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Very exciting. But just seeing some of, some of those people work, I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? You know, like, even, you know, like, what, like why am I here? Sense, like, 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 uh, just like seeing like their progress versus yours or. Ex or just like how clean and crisp and mm. good they are some you know what i mean i'm i'm uh rosebud baker comes to example mm -hmm. like the way she handled a heckler in the show i watched on stage was was beautifully done you know it, it was amazing <laughs> do you have any other canadian comedy influences i know you mentioned like uncle buck is like kind of one of the first things you saw and, and john candy is in the canadian hall of fame he was actually the first person ever inducted um into Shut the canadian up. Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, That's which is very you know cool. Candy was the goat. That he was yeah, the goat. Absolutely. Um, uh, honestly, as as hilarious as this sounds, uh, do you remember the Red Green Show? Of course, of course. Yeah, so, Steve like, Smith. Yeah. Yes. So, like, growing up uh, again, like uh, with basic Rogers Cable uh, that only went up to Channel Twenty Nine. Like, uh, you know, I was kind of, uh, and this is before the internet. So, like, uh, it was either movies that I, I got to watch or whatever was on like CBC or TVO. So I guess my two integral, like starting off as a child were uh, the Red Green Show and Pokeroo, because uh, those are the <laughs> only two comedies I remember as a child. Because that Pokeroo was a funny, a funny motherfucker. But um, I think the point in which I saw like a Canadian comedian and also a comedian that kind of like represented me, looked like me, had jokes about me was, and this is super cliche because every like POC comedian in the early 2000s will say this, but Russell Peters leaked mm. Comedy Now special was like next level. Because like, you know, you watch Matt TV and SNL and, and you try to watch comedy shows on TV. That's all very American. And, you know, you, you dream of that. But like to watch somebody who looks like you telling jokes that like that you can relate to, it like broke something, you know, like you see, I downloaded a, an illegal copy off of LimeWire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> RIP to LimeWire, the most yeah. infected peer-to-peer -peer program on the earth uh and it like i remember like sharing that with people like burning it on uh, dvds uh and like having friends come over and watch it and like i, I gotta say i think uh, rp has probably uh i think in terms of the like, canadian canadian comedians uh like was was that moment like i think it was like summer 2004 uh and that like at that point that's what kind of got me to want to try to do stand-up and and like you say watching someone do such a clean <laughs> flawless no fat crisp set and then going and try to replicate that and then just eating it for five minutes yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a professional that, that takes decades of experience it's uh it's, it's kind of funny because i had andrea Jin on this show and she oh, echoed exactly Jin, winner of 2022 juno comedy album of the year grandma's girl yeah killer I, comedian Amazing. Um, saw her at Just for Laughs too. She did a great set at the at the midnight uh, surprise show. But ex echoed exactly what you said about Russell Peters. 
Peter. So that's funny. You were both kind of nominated um, for the Juno Award this year. We were both nominated and um, you both had that as like the influence that you mentioned on this show. So it just shows what he what he meant to kind of immigrants coming to Canada who wanted to get into comedy. Right. He Absolutely. was the, the like, face uh... that people saw. Oh, yeah, I, growing up, like my mom kept telling me to stop being a goofy idiot. But like, I'm like, this is my default setting because it's not, you know, they they want you to kind of they come to this brand new country. It's it's a chance to like, you know, you know, turn that generational trauma into generational wealth and try to break that cycle. And then the last thing they need is for you to be artistic. You know, like it's yeah. my they she got me here, and it's my responsibility to build a life. And then maybe my kids or grandkids can be the artsy ones. Yeah, um, but I've managed to trick her by stealing all her stories and using them to make art. So she's kind of annoyed, but it, it, uh, it worked. It worked pretty well, I think. And your your album is amazing. I told you that at just for laughs. Um, kind of a funny so funny note is um, the Joe Exotic started following me on Instagram today. Nice. And uh, and your your album uh, Tigra King. Yes, sir. Um, which was nominated for the Juno. What what was that like to get that call? Is it a call or an email that that comes through to, just to say you were nominated? So um, it was it was literally um, a a long shot. Uh, shout out to my amazing uh, producer Tyler Morrison of Cottage Comedy. Um, he helped turn that album into like that, that headlining set at, at, at Nubian, amazing uh, show mm -hmm. by Kenny Robinson at Yuck Yucks. Um, turn that set into like an amazing album and i remember i just got some like frantic late night call from him and i'm like oh maybe you know maybe he's drunk wants to start shoot the shit i'd love to hang out with him he's like listen i need your name number uh a bunch of contact information i'm submitting you for a juno and i was like all right well why not like you know it's yeah it's every comedian's dream you, you, you're proud of your content you try to put it out and we submitted it and we did not hear anything for months and then <laughs> i just get <laughs> like i just got a call from him being like, hey, I'm like, hi, hi, hi. He's like, you doing okay? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it got nominated. I'm like, what got nominated? Like, I'm so, it's been so long. And I, I, the idea of my album being nominated, he's like, your album, Tinkercake, it got nominated for a Juno. And I'm like, are you, are you fucking with me? He's like, no, this is the one time I'm sober. My children are around me. This is a nice <laughs> moment. Like, I, like, you got nominated for a Juno. And like, Again, I just thought it was a prank. I, I up until the day before the the actual uh, um, announcement came out on TV, which then you know I'm like, oh, at that point I'm like, that's your fault if it's fake. I just thought it was a, a misprint. I thought maybe somebody else had accidentally just slipped my name in, and like to get nominated for, I I I think what would can arguably be, be the biggest potential comedy award in in Canada for. I an agree. Album yeah, is insane. It's it's never on you it was never on my radar i just wanted to put out a good album you know like have this be a little uh time capsule as to who i was where i was uh, the jokes that represented me the most in that moment of time and just to put something out for fun you know like just uh and, and it to be nominated for Juno, it's insane. insane did you did you get the full juno experience um oh, like was the yeah. uh yeah okay i didn't know i didn't know where like covid like what the awards were like so, uh, um but uh, i, I was hoping all, you did so so happy it was in toronto i don't i think if it was in another city it would have been um, um a little harder for me to go and do it just because like you said we were still kind of in the uh i guess post uh peak of the pandemic when all the restrictions mm -hmm. lifted up but uh it was the first live event and i think they wanted to do it in toronto because it's like the big artsy city uh um, and it was phenomenal i did uh, we did uh, um uh, andrea myself we, we all did 
back-to-back comedy, Juno comedy shows at Comedy Bar, which right. is amazing. Uh, and then we got to go to the performance, uh, the the, the uh, award ceremony at, at the Metro Convention Center, and they made it look like like the Oscars. There was like statues, lights, uh, hors d'oeuvres, food, people in like gowns and suits. They had like a whole red carpet. There was tons of security. It's the closest I've ever felt to being like a rock star. It was absolutely amazing. The, the food was pretty good. There was a dessert. I know this is a dumb tangent, but I, I'm a food I love guy. It. I, uh, I'm on a podcast called Bites and Bits. And all we do is talk to comedians and eat food while we do it. Because that's all I ever want to do. Uh. More than comedy itself is just talk shit and eat food. They had this dessert, which was almost like a um, a macaron, it, and it was had like gold flakes and a chocolate drizzle and caramel. Oof. It was like I think quite possibly the best dessert <laughs> I've ever seen. And you're assigned tables, and you know there is for every seat there is you put a plate down. But it's later in the evening. Um, you know, uh, um, people have left, people have come, they don't know. So. This dessert was so, <laughs> this is like my favorite judo moment at the one center. This dessert was so sought after. Adults, like, like, like 50, 60 year olds were scrambling out of their seats to steal desserts from empty chairs because it was that good. And for like 15 minutes, my girlfriend and I just reveled in like watching like 400, 500 people fight for desserts. Uh, and I know that's probably the weirdest memory no, I, from the Juno. <laughs> I get it. That is that is me with free wine at a wedding. So you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the same preach, kind of, preach, yeah, preach. it's the same kind of uh, atmosphere. No, that's that's amazing. I, I mean, I'm a big food guy too. So um, yeah, I'm all and over. I'm all over Juno's that. Itself was amazing. Like uh, at the Budweiser stage, watching the performances, it was amazing. Uh, my best friend Leonard Chan got the co-write the Juno, so it was great to I uh, see him there too. Uh, Absolutely fast. Uh, Deborah Cox blew it out of the water. Like I, I saw Chris Bosch. I said hello oh, yeah. to him, and he said hi oh, back. Awesome. And that's the, like that's a highlight of my, that day. It was it was amazing. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah. You're a big basketball guy too, right? So <laughs> yes. um, uh, I'm not a Raptors fan, even though like, I'm oh, from Ottawa. Oh, who is so your I team? I'm I'm a diehard Lakers. Uh, okay, when, uh, it, that was the third thing I I watched when I came to Canada was a Jazz Lakers game. Uh, uh, my next door neighbors, because uh, my mom was like, I need to go get groceries, but I don't have a babysitter. And this, uh, we, we, when we landed in Canada, we actually moved to St. John's, Newfoundland. And our neighbor, who we had met briefly like twice, was like, yeah, I'll babysit him. So my sister and I just ate a bunch of Cheetos. And this is the first time we had chips in our lives. It was amazing. And <laughs> I watched the Lakers jazz game. Uh, uh, and uh, as again, I'm from Ottawa. So I, by default, hate every Toronto right. team. It's just in my blood. I'm so sorry. Go Sens, go. <laughs> It, it, you could it could be worse you could be a jazz fan right now right so <laughs> i think you picked i think you picked the right team out of the two playing that day i want to talk a little bit about tall boys before i let you go i had bruce mccullough on the show who uh produces tall boys yes. and uh such a great sketch comedy show is is have you done sketch before for for writing or was that kind of your first you, you did some writing on tall boys is that yes. right uh, okay um so i <laughs> i uh you know being a uh, a 20 something uh, old millennial uh 20 something like you know trying to get on center Night live was the dream i remember watching yep. that from a kid up until i uh, still now and um i actually know vance franco tim and um oh my god who am i back Vance? oh gulag oh my god gulag uh I, I knew them uh since we all started comedy together we were all stand-ups aspiring and uh they stumbled into sketch and improv uh, and it was great to see them uh kind of like glow up and blow up uh and uh i 
they knew I was a, wanted to be a writer. So they asked me if I just wanted to come and just try it out. It was a, it was a really great communal, I don't want to say workspace, but it was for people of color doing a sketch mm-hmm. show, which is unheard of. It's like a, outside of living color. I can't think of that being a setup. Um, and uh, Jen Goodhue, who was the showrunner at the uh, uh, that season I worked on, and, uh, and Bruce were like really pro trying to give people like me experience because you know the Canadian comedy scene is is uh, much smaller uh, than like like America, and so there are unfortunately just less opportunities just situationally, and uh, that experience is something that's really hard to get at. And they were trying to make a concerted effort to like kind of bring you in, teach you. It was nice that I had enough writing experience, just situational though, like, oh, I can write a sketch, but to have them explain to you like the format, how mm-hmm. even the, the inside the, the sketch itself, how the story needs to progress was a great learning experience. And I really appreciate them. And it was, it, it, they gave me a, a, a writing credit. Like I, I cannot complain. It was honestly a, a great first experience uh, uh, doing comedy writing in Canada. It's uh, just speaking to Bruce on the show. I f- I feel that to be true that he's really um, behind the Canadian like young Canadian comics, mm-hmm. right? He's really behind the, the scene and uh, and and championing for them, which which is great. Your your mom who uh, <laughs> it, it, listening to your album it gives you so much material and obviously a, a huge influence on on your life. Like you can really tell, uh, you know, the love uh, yes, there. Yes, I and am everything. a mama's boy. 100%. Yes, yes. I didn't want to say it that way, <laughs> but. I, have no uh, <laughs> I, I laughed extra hard because she literally called me as you were saying that. I'm like, her ears are burning right now. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does, uh, I know that, that there's that story. Um, and sometimes with comedians, you know, sometimes the story is just a story and sometimes it's truth that your mom didn't know um, about your stand up until the Juno nomination. So, my first question is that true? And then my second one is just, what does she think of all this success now? Uh, it is 100% the truth. Uh, okay. It. Uh, I, my mom is in Ottawa and I'm in Toronto. And whenever she asks me what I'm doing, I lie through my teeth. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm at the basketball court working out or <laughs> I'm hanging out with my my, my girlfriend, Chelsea. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like in the middle of nowhere, small town Ontario doing like a headlining set. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, like um, she's old school. It, it wasn't that she was anti-comedy. She was just pro making sure that like I wasn't a starving artist on the street. Uh, you know, like uh, selling myself for rent money. Uh, and uh, so I had to like kind of offset it by like ha- maintaining a career during the day so I can pursue the comedy career at night. And uh, when the Juno <laughs> nomination came out, that was the biggest, that's not, it, it's still the biggest uh, point in my career that was also the most visible. And my sisters have, you know, really been encouraging. They've really been supportive uh, of the comedy journey and, and, and they love it. But uh, now that like my name was broadcast nationally, they're like, okay, we gotta <laughs> we gotta clue in mom into this, and uh, I, I and this it was just such a sweet moment uh, when my sisters were trying to explain to her the concept of a Juno and what it was to be nominated, and they were like, you know, you know, we keep saying we want to watch the Grammys, the Grammys, the Gra-. it's like a it's a Canadian Grammy, <laughs> and my mom with absolute like no no venom, it's a genuine responses like oh can it why only can i why no american grammy and my sisters laughed so hard like yeah that's the next step this is just a good first one uh but she's been very hype about it uh she she loves uh the stories i tell about her uh, her only complaint is maybe sometimes i occasionally drop a curse word which she does not like but otherwise right uh, she's a really big fan and the sweetest thing I, was i did uh go ahead no i was just gonna ask i've seen you perform 
Oh, heck no. Uh, no. I, she came to Toronto. I tried to get her to come in and she's just so, I don't know how to conceptualize this. Like it, it, trying to explain to my mom that I'm a comedian is like telling her I'm a professional juggler. Like It's just <laughs> a cute thing that a child does for like a skit at school. But as an adult man who shaves his head because not because he wants it, because he's bald. She's like, how about you get a doctor? Like spend that time, like, uh, you know, uh, the way she thinks. But I, <laughs> uh, she... I did a really fun episode of CBC The Debaters with uh, BFF Noor Hadidi. And yeah. my mom, like, she, she was like 30 minutes late for work because as she was driving, she just has it on CBC by default. And she started listening to some strange man who sounded very much like her son. And then the moderator, Steve Patterson, said my name. And she was so shocked. She pulled the car to the side of the road just to listen to the rest of the episode loved it called me told me about it and then rushed to work like 30 minutes late and uh i think that i think that got her when she kind of realized like oh he doesn't absolutely suck that maybe i can uh, get her eventually to come see me do a live show <laughs> sometimes it's funny because my sidebar story my parents were kind of like what is he doing if we show up is he gonna make fun of us like and embarrass us when i'm like no you're not part of my <laughs> you know my stand-up set but they came on sunday for the first time to see me Ooh, um, and it was fine they were like oh people actually like him they were shocked it was a competition <laughs> at it was a it was the mike mcdonald comedy competition at yuck yucks and my dad is a massive sports fan and when he saw that it's like a voting thing and there's judges and then i i moved on so i'm on to the next round so there's like a bracket now he's like oh this is like march madness right this is like oh that's so and, funny. and it, so now it's like a sporting event to him like he's seen it and he's like so what's next like what do you got to do for the next round he didn't understand the light before but now he's watching it he's like you don't want to go over your time on that light <laughs> It was very funny. He ends so, up being your stand-up coach. I love it. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like the coach on the sidelines. Again, we're the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. And I know you don't know who's in and who's out or who's nominated for the for the Canadian Comedy Comedy Hall of Fame. But do you just off the top of your head have any names that and, and you mentioned uh Steve Smith, Red Green. He's he's actually nominated this year for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Is there any other people who you think they deserve to be in the comedy hall of fame uh well okay so like i'm i'm a huge um uh like sketch guy so like mm -hmm. people like um like you know the sctv people like uh, yep. you know Catherine o'hara is probably gonna be in there Ackroyd. uh i'm a huge martin short fan uh we've mm -hmm. been watching murders only murders in the building um and like i, I don't know how martin short isn't like the number one greatest um canadian uh i guess comedian if you will because that man has depth when it comes to performing um I'm trying to think of any canadians um oh obviously r.i.p to the goat uh norm mcdonald like uh if, I, I guess uh if, if anybody else uh just i literally watched a special thing like a week ago yeah um Norm Macdonald, we we announced on Canada Day, actually, from the Comedy Store in L.A., oh. that he is getting in uh, this year. So um, Angelo Sarukas, I don't know if you know Angelo, he did his Comedy Store show with Steph Tolev on Canada Day and Norm Macdonald and Mike Beast, yeah. Mike, yeah, oh, amazing. And uh, and Mike Macdonald also are getting they're the two announced for this year's class. So that's that's very nice. cool. You mentioned them. So, yeah. Oh, then obviously, again, um, uh, uh, my girlfriend is literally mouthing the words to me and I cannot believe 
I forgot Mike Myers, obviously. I, I, right. I keep thinking Canadians. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to watch Austin Powers 3 uh, just to make up for it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike Myers. He's not nominated yet, but definitely, you know, he he deserves to be in there at at some point for sure. Do you have anything you want to promote before you before you we get out of here? Uh, I'm uh, doing Just for Loves Toronto at the end of September. So you guys want tickets? uh, Please check out Just for Loves Toronto and uh, shout out to uh, my podcast, Bites and Bits podcast. It was Sonar Network. Uh, My amazing host and I, Matt Mayland, uh, literally our whole shtick is to eat food uh, and talk shit with awesome comedians uh our last episode uh season two finale was lauren ash uh from superstore uh amazing so uh check it out we appreciate the clicks that's uh that's awesome do you eat the food with them like over zoom oh hell yeah we order uh uber eats to wherever they are Uh, i think the most complex one was we had to coordinate an uber eats delivery to london england uh and uh we are so pro chew and uh swallow sounds it's basically like casual asmr if you're oh chewing God. uh but yeah, yeah uh, it's it's every podcast producer's nightmare we do <laughs> hecham this was a lot of fun thanks a lot for for coming on and uh everything you do for um you know canadian comedy and um you so yeah you, you're great and uh I'm, I'm very excited to see what's in the future for you Oh man, I appreciate that. You too. All right. And once cool. again, uh, once your show gets uh, picked up by CBC, I, please let me uh, submit a writing packet. I would very much like to work with you. <laughs> you're, the, you're my first call. Absolutely. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Hisham Kaladi, ladies and gentlemen, so funny, so fun. Uh, I just, I love his stories. I could literally talk to Hisham about absolutely anything. Such a great guy. I'm so happy for all his success, and I can't see. I can't wait to see what else is is to come for him. Uh, so so much in store, man. We're producing some great talent here here in Canada. Next up, uh, I have David Rubin on the show. But first, I want to remind you: you can still go to CanadianComedyHall.com. You can sign up for that membership. You can't vote for this year's awards or this year's uh, Hall of Fame induction. That voting is closed. The ballots are sealed. We know two of the members getting in. Norm McDonald, Mike McDonald, and coming up in September, we'll reveal the rest of the list. But we can't give away anything just yet. But just remember, for you can still go to CanadianComedyHall.com to sign up for subsequent years. Okay, my next interview, David Rubin. He has been in the game, the comedy game in Toronto for 39 years. He was there at the early days of Yuck Yucks. Had a great conversation with him. We talked about David hanging out with Sam Kinison and a lot of great comedians toronto-based comedians kenny robinson so many more it was a lot of fun talking to david and getting a little bit of a history lesson about those early days of yuck yucks comedy so here it is i hope you enjoy my interview with mr david rubin you're coming into your 39th year in comedy is that correct that's it um how how did you get your start like when did you decide to get to give it a try when i was five years old (laughs) honestly I saw my first comic on the Ed Sullivan show. And then I saw my second comic on the tonight show. And I go, wow, you get to go on TV and talk. You know, you're five years old. And I go, that looks like fun. And everyone's laughing. Yeah. They like you. And I wanted to do it ever since. Do you remember some of those early comics on the Ed Sullivan? Yeah. Show? Uh, Mort Saul. Okay. Canadian. George Carlin. And then the first comic I saw live when I was 12 years old, I took my grass cutting money 
went to with the the um, Meridian Center, which used to be the O'Keefe Center. Okay. And I sat last row, last row, I twelve dollars, and I saw Don Rickles live. Oh my God, one of my favorites, Don Rickles. Mine too. Mort Saul. Also, you mentioned him. He's nominated yeah. this year. The Another a great Canadian comic, Mort Saul. Yeah. Yeah, who I, I bet you a lot of Americans don't realize is Canadian, right? Because he, yeah. he did that like political humor in the States. Did you have yeah. any other Canadian comedy influences specifically? Well, when I started in 1983, I mean, there was 100 comics in Canada. Yeah. And every Monday, most of them were down at the Yuck Yucks. So, you know, I, I got to know Mike McDonald. I got to know Steve Schuster, uh, Eric Tunney, whose uncle was Frank Tunney, who ran Maple Leafs uh, Wrestling in Toronto and had shows all over. Um, you know, Ralph Ben Murgy, who went on to have his own TV show. Pat Bullard, who went on to be a big producer in California. You know, Mike Bullard used to be there watching, and then eventually he went on stage. Um, when I was starting at Yuck Yucks, Mike Wilmot was a dishwasher. And uh, he did okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he did, did okay. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you a pro wrestling guy? I love wrestling. Me too. So I used to sit in the green room. I used to go down on Monday nights to amateur night. And then I'd go down every night of the week and I'd sit in the green room and I'd sit with Eric Tunney and Steve Schuster. We talk wrestling all night. <laughs> oh my God. Just fantasy booking. And yeah. Yeah. That's you know, it was like the iron Sheik and all those guys. It was just before the boom with Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage, you know, um, a funny story is the guy that got me to go to Yuck Yucks. His name was Slick Jackson. His brother was Rocky Johnson. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Rock's they're, they're, father. They're brothers, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, uh, their real name is Bones, Bowles. And Merv was, was a wrestler too, but he was in a very bad car accident and he couldn't wrestle anymore. And he always wanted to be in show business. So uh, when The Rock was 16 years old, he was in Toronto visiting his uncle. And because they're from Nova Scotia originally, the family. Yeah. And he was like a fat kid, tall, fat kid. Three years later, he trimmed down and he was a sunshine boy when the sun had sunshine boys. And then I, the next time I saw him, I like I knew he played football for Calgary. And then because his uncle told me. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a few years later, he's this gigantic, totally cut monster on, on wrestling and now probably the biggest movie star in the world one uh, of the biggest yeah i wonder what an autographed copy of the rocks uh, sunshine boy uh photo would go for it can't even imagine yeah. i can't even imagine <laughs> that's incredible they, they uh, keep running it for the nostalgia right and, yeah. I, and i look at him and i go it's amazing in three years how he he just changed right what you you mentioned yuck yucks and, and 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 your early days there and i know we connected 
uh, briefly last week because on my last episode, I had Glenda, Glenda Fordham on and she she uh, mentioned you and spoke fondly of you. And, and, and when I've met uh, Glenda in Toronto and we've had coffee and stuff, she's always uh, spoken fondly of you. I, what, what did Glenda mean to your stand-up comedy career? As I, as I told Glenda, um, she meant everything to me in the early days because how it worked was you called in on Monday morning Mm-hmm. And there was like 12 spots. And if you were lucky enough to get a spot, then you went down and did your spot. If you didn't get a spot, you went down on Monday evening to do a, to the show and hope and you were hoping someone else chickened out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, you know? uh... And she knew I loved stand-up more than anything. So she gave me spots. That's awesome. What, what was that? original kind of yuck yucks like with those you know 100 comics in canada vying for the spot what, what it was, was a great kind of vibe atmosphere? i mean yeah because there was only you know a few you know a handful of comics in in canada at the time and most of them moved to toronto uh the comics would be in the uh, you know watching the show and there was a regular audience every monday night the same people would would come every Monday night to see the carnage. <laughs> was it a rough crowd? Was it was it tough to get? If they didn't the like crowd? you, it was a rough crowd. Right. Um, you know, the one thing I I find now is all the young comics bring up books on stage when they're starting out. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody did that back then. You you had the there was one show a week. That was it. The open mic. Right. Yeah. Yuck yucks, you prepared all week and you went on without notes. And if you brought notes on, the audience booed you. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely it was definitely a proving ground, it sounds it was like. a total proving ground. Some other names. I know that you you made a post last week and, and you just like mentioned some names of people um that that kind of influenced you or supported you on your career one of them yeah. being sam kinnison uh yeah what, what was your relationship like with sam not canadian I, but but a stand-up you know player. everyone thinks he was a wild man off stage he was very intelligent off stage and very kind you know yes he had his addictions he had his issues but when you talk comedy with him and and for me you know i struggled because i i i was not the most talented it was all determination and learning and watching. That's why I went down there every night of the week to watch these guys, to understand. It was my, it was my comedy school. So when guys like Sam Kennison came in, I'd be down there every night watching them. And he'd be down there at the amateur show and he'd see me and he'd give me tips because everyone gave me tips because they knew I loved it. You right. know, yeah. even the MCs, like the MCs that were, running the MCs on the amateur night, Larry Horowitz. Okay, yeah. Uh, Howard Buzzgang, who went on to uh, produce Boy Meets World and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, Sean Thompson, who went on to The Guiding Light mm-hmm. as an actor, very good looking guy. <laughs> Eric Tunney would give me pointers. Steve Schuster would give me pointers, you know. Wayne Turmel, who's now a successful writer, 
was an MC on Monday nights and he would give me pointers or tags or try try doing it this way. One really funny story is Pat Bullard would be down there every single Monday and I was struggling and he'd watch me and he'd want to go on after me and he'd do my set word for word. And when I bombed, he'd kill. Oh, wow. So it was like, okay, so the material's not bad. I just have to learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's delivery, right? That's it like- was delivery and timing and not being intimidated by yuck yucks, you know, right. and, the, the and the crowd. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I find now everyone sometimes- starts with two people in the room, but I started with like 100 people in the room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Howard Busgang, is this, does he own or like run a deli now in Vancouver? Is that he, what he does. Doing? Yeah. Okay. He runs a deli in Salt Springs uh, on the, the island. So, so he's kind of, and that's what he's doing now. That's his, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Montreal yeah. style deli, right? Where he's yeah. from. I, I believe, yeah. Right? Corned beef and rye bread and bagels and all the good you know, stuff. Gefilte fish and, you know, Kishka, all the Jewish foods that he grew up loving. Amazing. Yeah. He um, moved back a few years ago from Los Angeles to Salt Springs and they decided to open the deli. Another name that you mentioned is, is Kenny Robinson. Kenny, of course, is the president of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. W- what was your kind of relationship with Kenny in those early days? Um, I saw Kenny on stage and I'm going, wow, someone can actually be that good. Yeah. And we became friends because my father was a well-known Canadian uh, musician. Um, And my dad was in like, uh, he was at the, the um, national ballet in the, in the pit and the Toronto symphony, but he was also a jazz musician and he worked at the Royal Alexander theater in Toronto that the Mervishes own. Kenny so, loves that, like music and jazz and yeah. Yeah, so we we bonded over jazz, him, me, and Lou Eisen. I don't know if you heard of Lou Eisen. No. He now writes for uh, Fight Magazine. He's okay. a, big, a big fight uh, boxing guy. Okay, yeah. So we all love jazz and that's how we bonded. And, you know, Kenny, Kenny would let me be his opening act you know, when Yuck Yucks didn't want to book me and he, t- he, you know, any, any show he was doing, I'd go and watch, I'd go on the road with him. And, uh, it was amazing. That's you know, awesome. we're still friends. I mean, we talk every day almost. Yeah. Do you, um, did you ever run into Norm McDonald? Norm McDonald, who has been, uh, yeah. he's, he's going to be inducted this year in the hall. Yeah. Him and Mike were the two that, that the first two. So yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Have- Norm, Norm Howard Wagman, who runs the Ottawa club, yep. brought him in for a Monday night. The first time he came to Toronto and he introduced me to him and he went on stage and I go, Oh man, this guy's great. This guy is just so great. Mm-hmm. And you just knew, you just know, like with some people, right? Yeah. When, when somebody has it, you can definitely, yeah. um, he's one of my favorites of all time. Just like Mike McDonald. We did a road trip to London, Ontario in a terrible snowstorm. And he did two hours on stage and then driving back the snowstorm, I drove him and driving back the snowstorm got worse. Mm-hmm. And we got back to the original Yuck Yucks about two in the morning and we left the sh- at, 10 in, at 10 at night. So you can imagine the snowstorm. 
Yeah. And we get back to the club and like there's a few comics just hanging out and he goes on stage and he does 45 minutes about me following the snowplow. Something mundane, like that's yeah. not overly funny and, and do a Oh, absolutely. He's in 45 minutes. That's incredible. Um, one question I always, I'm fascinated by, and mainly because this is a Canadian centric podcast is the difference in audiences. And I know you performed throughout the States as well. What, what's the difference between an American audience and a Canadian audience for you? The Canadian audience um, doesn't heckle like an American audience. Mm-hmm. An American audience are more American centric. They don't know anything about Canada for the most part. Right. You know, especially in the small towns, even, even in the big cities, like they, they don't know too much about Canada where, where we know everything about the States. Yeah. So we have to make our references to the Americans. One website that, I mean, it's fascinating that you run is uh, the Comedy Green Room, comedy, thecomedygreenroom.com. Uh, right. That's where to go to find it. What, uh, where did that come? Where did that start? Um, I was at Yuck Yucks from 1983 to 1993. Um, and I struggled for the most part. And then in 1993, I finally got a showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, and the management said I still wasn't good enough. And even though I killed that night and I have the tape to prove it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, on a cassette, no less. <laughs> um, so I, I stepped back from comedy because I needed a mental health break from it. Right. And I kept writing and I changed my style from self-deprecating to dark, which is more me. Yeah. And then when I started back in stand-up in 2000, uh, I found I had to start all over and there was something missing about where shows were. Cause don't forget when I started, there were no open mics. There was never an open mic. You did yuck yucks. That right. was it once a week. When I came back in 2000, it was the boom of the open mics. And I didn't know where any of these open mics were. I didn't know any of the comics. So I taken like an, a small HTML course in like 1998, 99. And I was just sitting home and I said, you know, I've got all these clippings from all the the clubs I used to collect. Whenever I saw like a newspaper article about a club in Los Angeles or a club in Boston, I'd clip it out. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could do a resource with where all the comedy clubs and comics were? And that's how it started. To every comic in Toronto and ask them if they wanted to be on my website, put their picture on for free, for free. Yeah, F-R-E-E. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everyone turned me down because they didn't think the internet was going to last. <laughs> no, no. What, what is this thing? That's hilarious. And so New Year's Eve of uh, 2000, um, the only person, ironically, who said, yeah, put me on your site, Kenny Robinson. The man. The man, yeah. The godfather. Yeah. And so I started with me and Kenny and then I started going out West and getting some comics out West. And I got like Darren Frost from Toronto and Kate Davis, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and Kenny, and I got Daryl Mack from out West. And then I started going to the States and I got some unknown comics in the States, like Jim Gaffigan at the time was unknown and Dane Cook was unknown. And, uh, uh, then I went to Europe and this gentleman contacted me. His name was Charlie Adams. 
And he was a writer for Bob Hope in the 80s mm -hmm. for about three years. And he lived in Los Angeles. And he said, I really like your website. And he said, my son's a stand-up comic. So I got in contact with his son, Paul Adams, and we became lifelong friends. And so I just kept building like that. And then I got a little press. And it was always about helping comics worldwide to know where the comedy festivals were, to know where the clubs were to to connect because i i thought the internet was going to make the world smaller which it did one, one more question and then i'll let you out of here you've obviously because i know you've written about it you've the the list of nominees for the canadian comedy hall of fame you've seen it you've looked at it you know who's in who who else do you think should be nominated in in years to come who do you think should be in the canadian comedy hall of fame well if you've been on my site recently or on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter, I broke my arm on March 20, 14, 2021, really badly. I had to have two operations. I almost lost the arm. One person reached out to me that I, I admired from the time I was at Yuck Yucks when I was a teenager going to the show. Mm -hmm. And I was always too timid to, to talk to her because she was so head and above everybody else. And as soon as I broke my arm and I put it on Facebook, Martha, Le Marla Lakofsky reached out to me. Right. And we became friends. And uh, I did an article on her, which is probably the best article I've ever done in the comedy green room. And I've done some really good ones. I did one on Mike McDonald. I, I, I've done one on Wayne Trammell. Um, I've done one on Kenny Robinson, uh, Stephen Pearl, you know, Robin Williams head writer, but Marla, like 50 years in stand-up comedy before there was a yuck yucks, the first female stand-up to actually break through and, and yeah. be on television the in, in like the seventies yeah. and then went to LA, came back had some medical issues, reinvented herself as a, as a sing a singer again, which what she really started as, but she was a folk singer. Now she's a jazz singer. Um, she's amazing. She's totally inspirational to me. So yeah. I think she should be in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Awesome. Yeah. And that's a name I've heard here before other people brought up, right? Absolutely. Um, she should be there kind of a, a no doubter in a lot in a lot of people's opinions uh thanks so much david for, for thank you very much and, and telling me about the early days of yuck yucks and mentioning marla and all the, all those things it, it was great I, I really appreciate it thank you very much super fun episode once again thanks to hisham kaladi hisham like he said check out his podcast the bites and bits podcast it's on the sonar network i listen to it on spotify i think you can listen to it to absolutely anywhere it's awesome it's such a great concept they eat food and they chat it's amazing i love it also thanks to david rubin david he's been he's been doing comedy for for so many years so long it was lots of fun talking to him about the history of yuck yucks and the history of canadian comedy thanks for listening to episode number 15 can't wait for the next one this has been the canadian comedy hall of fame podcast i'm chad noonan <laughs>